In a global and digital marketplace, publishers are seeing the volume of rights transactions grow. Yet the story so far is dominated by confusion and even disappointment. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, June 9th, 2017, and Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me from his Manhattan office for a review of the week's publishing news. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, in time for last week's Book Expo in New York City, the, the, the Book Industry Study Group published a report on the untapped opportunity that publishing rights represent. We'll get to that uh, in just a few moments and the implications for the industry's bottom line. But up first, though, is the latest development on a book that no one has yet read, but everyone is talking about. I refer to Dangerous, the memoir from Milo Yiannopoulos, the former Breitbart writer and controversial alt-right provocateur. A six-figure deal with Simon & Schuster to publish the book was canceled last winter when the author caused outrage with statements that suggested he defended sex with minors. And now we learn Yiannopoulos will self-publish the volume on July 4th. Pre-publication orders should have Milo celebrating, so tell us more about it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Milo is back, Uh, although we'll see just how much of a comeback he really does make. But we can at least confirm this much, that the controversial former Breitbart editor Milo Yiannopoulos has made good on his promise to self-publish his book, Dangerous, after Simon & Schuster canceled its publishing agreement with him in February of this year. The book is now available for pre-order, as you mentioned, on Amazon, and notably, The hardcover edition of the title was number one this week in pre-orders, but in the humor category, which is kind of interesting. Uh, And there's also a steep list price of $30 on the book, which I can't imagine is going to stay there. The Kindle ebook edition was also number one in the censorship and political categories. And the ebook edition is expected to be available through all major ebook retailers and to libraries as well. Uh, we have yet to confirm whether uh, Milo Yiannopoulos has found a distributor to get the print edition of his book into independent brick and mortar retailers, uh, but we should know more on that in the coming week or so. But get ready, America. This July 4th could include a little more fireworks in the book world, uh, thanks to the controversial Milo Yiannopoulos. Well, indeed, interesting news of a kind, I suppose. But in our earlier discussions about Milo, uh, you made it clear that you're not a fan of him or of that deal with Simon & Schuster. But you also thought that uh, self-publishing was an interesting option for him. So so now that he has chosen that route, uh, what's your take? Yeah, so your recollections are absolutely correct on all counts there. I am not a fan of Milo, who really, in my mind, is little more than a troll. Uh, and I found his whole free speech censorship campaign to be really sort of shameless commercialism. Uh, it's a tried and true formula, right? You say outrageous things. Uh, whether you truly believe them or can defend them doesn't matter. When the outrage machine kicks into gear, you find a way to profit from the free publicity. Uh, that, to me, seems to be Milo's uh, MO here. To be clear, Simon & Schuster canceled his book after he made comments that appeared to support pedophilia, as you mentioned. Um, But let's also recall Breitbart showed him the door as well at that time. So no one has really ever strictly, truly censored Milo. He retains the right to say what he wants. Uh, The public retains the right to show him the consequences. It's really that simple. But onto his self-publishing effort, um, I think it's going to be a really fascinating experiment. First thing I'd point out is that Milo once had a platform to market this book, and that, of course, was Breitbart. And I wonder whether or not he is enough of a brand on his own to sustain sales of the book. Like so many authors and self-published authors especially, 
I think he's going to have to find he's going to find out that publishing is actually pretty hard work. Is he going to be booking these big speaking gigs and getting headlines like he once did when he was at Breitbart? Uh, is he going to be selling copies at the back of those events? Does anyone really care about him anymore? I guess is the question I have because he really hasn't been in the media that much lately, uh, especially now that the tough presidential campaign of 2016 is over. So we'll see. All those questions will have answers at some point. The bottom line, I think, is that Milo's self-publishing effort, in my view, is going to vindicate Simon & Schuster's decision to dump him because, frankly, it was less about what Milo might have written in his book that had SNS spooked. Uh, But really, you know, it's impossible to create a viable marketing plan around an author who can get you boycotted or picketed at any moment. But the other question I have, of course, is whether that uncertainty which you know does not make for good traditional publishing efforts, might be gold for self-publishing. And we'll see if that's true as well. Uh, I think this is worth parsing because even if Milo makes millions of dollars off this book, it doesn't mean that Simon & Schuster would have. Uh, might have been more trouble than it was worth for them. So as much as I really don't support Milo Yiannopoulos, the author, uh, I am pretty interested in seeing how his self-published work fares. From the right to free speech, we turn next to a report on the rights that let authors and publishers generate much-needed revenue. Beyond the Book returns with Publishers Weekly's Andrew Albanese in a moment. I'm Christopher Keneally. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at PublishersWeekly.com slash PWRadio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. And every Friday, we cover the week's news from the book world. And last week, Andrew, we podcasted from the industry trade show event Book Expo in New York. And over the weekend, BookCon, the consumer half of that event, welcomed readers. So catch us up on how well that show went over. It actually went over pretty well once again. Uh, once again, I, I think we're starting to see that after a few successful years in a row now, uh, next year's BookCon is going to probably have to up its game a little bit. Uh, but again, organizers say the show attracted uh, around 20,000 attendees for the two-day event, which featured a pretty wide array of best-selling authors from, from adult authors to YA and children's book authors. And the crowd was about 10% larger than the last BookCon that was held at Javits in 2015, which drew about 18,000 people. Uh, BookCon last year, of course, was in Chicago uh, with Book Expo. Uh, so you can read more about BookCon, and uh, you can check out our BookCon show dailies on the public Weekly website, uh, but suffice it to say, publishers were pleased, attendees seemed pleased, though now I think the rubber sort of hits the road. What's next for the new slimmed down book expo, uh, and what's next for BookCon? Organizers say they are committed to the both the Book Expo and the Book Con conference, and they're going to be parsing feedback in the coming months, and we will as well. So stay tuned, because I think 2018 and the organizing of 2018 is going to be a telling and perhaps pivotal year for both Book Expo and Book Con. Well, indeed, uh, along with uh, the considerations for BookCon and Book Expo, 2018 is going to be meaningful because Publishers Weekly will uh, join with the Bologna Book Fair and other partners to debut the New York Rights Fair at pretty much the same time. So we'll watch that uh, closely. And in Monday's issue, Andrew, you report on a recent 
Book Industry Study Group report, which was unveiled last week at Book Expo, that suggests the international rights business for authors has indeed some untapped potential. And uh, tell us more. Yeah, so really a very interesting new report written by uh, BISG, by the Rights Committee from BISG, that reveals a dichotomy in the rights world between the increasing importance of rights transactions, uh, something we both know about very well, and the ability of publishers to take advantage of the demand around the world for American content. Uh, in fact, the name of the report is Publishing Rights and Untapped Opportunity. Among the findings is that over 53% of the survey respondents said that their organizations are currently missing out on meaningful rights revenue, uh, and it reveals a host of issues uh, that have made the failure to collect more rights revenue an ongoing problem. Publishers also said that confusion about who controls which rights has grown in the digital age, uh, particularly for backlist books. In fact, one publisher noted, and I'll quote, that clearing appropriate rights to third-party material, which is a big deal for backlist books, is massively time-consuming and a huge cost burden. And that's a major obstacle to sort of putting works that have gone out of print back into print or back into circulation uh, in the digital age. So you can read more about that report uh, in Monday's issue of Publishers Weekly uh, and on the PW website, of course, where we link to the entire BISG report. And I'm just going to add my own two cents here because I can't resist. And, you know, we talk about copyright and copyright reform quite a bit on this show. And my impression is that this report suggests some pretty key areas of focus for publishers and authors. Indeed, much of the tension that we now see in the copyright arena it's not because copyright in and of itself has failed to keep up with the digital age, although it certainly has in some cases, but more because publishers' systems have really failed to keep up. Uh, and you know, It adds a whole layer of complexity to the copyright debate that never really existed in previous copyright debates when we were just talking about print or when music was still just records, etc. You know, I think we can't have a serious copyright reform discussion without addressing many of the issues raised in this report. So if copyright is your area of interest or expertise, I would certainly uh, check out that report, and you can do so in Monday's issue of PW. All right. Well, it happens that copyright is one of my areas of interest, as, as you might expect, at Copyright Clearance Center. And we uh, are planning and looking forward to speaking with uh, Brian O'Leary, the executive director of BISG, about that report in the very near future. So listeners should watch for that in their podcast uh, service. In any case, Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining us as you do every Friday on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Beyond the Book, we should all know not to judge a book by its cover, but is it any better if we judge the same volume by its business model? In a market where competition for readers is fierce, the nation's largest association of independent publishers and self-published authors has made available an industry standards checklist for a professionally published book. IBPA CEO Angela Bull says it's important that every book get a fair shake. We know that there's a great deal of quality coming out of these small presses and coming from self-published authors, and we want to help the industry find a way to see that. Checklist for a professionally published book, coming next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 